Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bright Time. In this episode, I interviewed my friend Joel, who I met uh, as a lawyer at the second law firm I worked at long, long ago. In fact, as you'll hear during the podcast, Joel interviewed me um, for the job that I ultimately got, and then we worked together for about eight years. So during the podcast, we talked about our time at that law firm, some of the interesting and funny stories uh, that happened along the way. Uh, We talked about uh, going up in my plane to go golf in Montauk. We talked about um, his Ivy League education, both at Brown and then at Cornell Law School. We talked about his kids who uh, followed him to some of those schools. And um, we just uh, kind of went down memory lane on a lot of interesting stories. Uh, Joel's also kind of a competitive athlete, even though he's 10 years older than me. He's always out there on any given weekend, whether it be skiing in the winter or windsurfing in the summer or golfing. So we got into that a bit too. So without further ado, I bring you Joel. What does a man with a lot of interesting friends and some time in his hands do? He starts a podcast. Welcome to Bride Time, a sit down with a different person from Brian's inner circle. So get ready. It's Bride Time. Hey, Joel, welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you. So um, it's very exciting. Like I always say, anytime a new friend comes to my house, (laughs) but this is the first time you've been in my house. First time I've been in this area. Yeah, Yeah, you're a city guy your whole life. I mean, other than where you grew up, right? Which we'll get to. Correct. So in terms of your entire legal career, and now everyone knows you're a lawyer, you lived your entire time during that period in New York City. I have. And now you live in Harlem. This is true. All right, we'll get to that, too, as we started talking about that. But, you know, in the 70s, you know, that would be saying something. Now it's a little different. Correct. But uh, well, there are still good parts and bad parts. And wh- Where exactly do you live? In the middle part, Central Harlem. <laughs> Central Harlem. 128 and 5th. Okay. So, it's so a you live de- on 5th Avenue. I went from Central Park West to 5th, yes, so only is, the best. What's your, is your address a 5th Avenue address? Yes. Wow. So you made it. There you go. <laughs> you made the big time. You're on Fifth Avenue. I am. Like, you go anywhere in the world, and people are going to know, oh, Fifth Avenue, New York City, and that's where you live. And they're going to have certain assumptions when they hear that. Those would be false assumptions, <laughs> but yes, they might have them. <laughs> <laughs> they would. I mean, well, my friend Brian, I mentioned to you, he lives in Harlem and now going on a year, maybe longer, and uh, I haven't visited him either. Well, next time you're in the city, you'll come up. Come up after work, and we'll uh, get some dinner, and you'll hang out. It's too dangerous. I would never go there. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Um, so I think we'll start this one like we start all of them. It's always good for people to know, you know, who the guest is. I give a little intro, as you know, in the beginning, but I don't say, you know, where they're from, what their deal is, are they married, do they have... So it's good to do that, I think. It's fair enough. Because otherwise you're just like a, a voice, but now, we, you know, we'll make you a person. Ah. So let's make you a person right now. <laughs> Joel... I'll start by leading in. You, you you grew up in Massachusetts, am I right? You were right. All right, so take it from there. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the suburbs of Boston, um, two, two of the suburbs, Natick. Never heard of it? It's around half hour west of Boston, and then we moved when I was nine to Newton, which okay. you might have heard of. I've heard of it because I, I think it's a fancy area, and a lot of people call it Snooton, right? Not when I was growing up. Oh, really? But I mean, I, everywhere you go when you're there, it's <laughs> terrible, but otherwise it's fancy. No, I would say... I never heard the phrase. Boston, when we moved there, you still had firemen's kids and police. And, for example, there's a whole Italian section mm-hmm. that I met when I went to eighth, 7th and 8th grade. But since the mid-'80s, 
you, I don't know that a working class family would necessarily they, they might have got priced yeah. out because it's so it's six miles from Boston. Oh, exactly. So you, it's said very, a, you said a half an hour. I thought, but I guess. that was Natick. Natick oh. was more like a half hour. My but, dad could call at quarter of seven, say he was leaving work, and he'd be home for dinner at seven. Wow. He could walk in the door. Well, then of course it's going to yeah. be a valuable place right. to live. So when you went to college, you went directly from living in Newton to college. Correct. Now, you, among all the friends of mine and family, and everyone I've interviewed on this podcast, you're my fanciest friend in this sense. <laughs> um, unlike you know, my friends from the Bronx or these guys who went to you know, community college, you went to Brown. This is true. Which is an Ivy League school. Yes, it is. And that's pretty fancy, right? It got fancier, too, over time. You know, it was easier <laughs> to get in when I went. You, you probably, with your grades then, could you get in now? And you know you know some of this because your your kids went to Brown, some of them. You know, uh, I probably would. I was borderline then. I'd probably be borderline okay, now. Okay, okay. You know. So, um, you, yeah, you went to Brown, and you have three children, uh, two daughters and a son. Correct. And two of the three went to Brown. Correct. As legacies and also like athletic recruits when, after you gave that donation. <laughs> yes, right? the building on, you know, <laughs> the, on, the, on the field. Yeah. That's right, the Jova. Yeah. So you, you had two kids in Brown. Yes. And um, and when one went to McGill. Correct. The my, one mid, went, my middle one went to McGill. Which is the daughter who got married at the beginning of summer? No, no. My daughter who got married is my oldest. She's the oldest. And she went to Brown. The middle one went to McGill. Okay. And then the youngest went to Brown. Okay, and we're going to get to all of them. But so that's, you know, you're fancy. I mean, you, I mean, we never, we didn't know what Ivy League schools in the 80s or in the 70s were, but yet you went to one. I did. What was Brown like in the time you went there, which is the late 70s? Uh, what was it like? I mean, one of the things that I really liked was it had what it still has today, which is the open curriculum. So I had no... Explain, explain the open curriculum, because it's, it's kind of unique, certainly among the others. There were no requirements, really. <laughs> other than what you, you... If you were taking your major or concentration, you had to fulfill those requirements, but you didn't have any general requirements. So I didn't have to take a language and I didn't have to take math. So those were two things that, in particular language, I wasn't looking, I was happy not to have to do a foreign language. Yeah, I think that's a negative. I mean, I think it's a positive, right? Freedom of choice is great, but you know, college is supposed to, I mean, kids come in when they're 18, they don't know what they're doing, right? And it is nice, the concept that, you know, if you go to a school, you're going to get smattering of different things because you have to take them so you know i suppose some people i mean maybe it was no loss to you not to take math but well like- let's put it this way if there had been a requirement i took one bio course i took psych courses so it generally would have been more you of a would, science requirement and you would have hit it anyway. math. so i probably would have hit it yeah. exactly yeah. um i mean the idea of brown is that you take some ownership of your education and yeah. you Plan it out yourself yeah. a little more. Yeah. I mean, well, the nice, another nice thing about it, though, is at Brown you can take any course pass fail. What, so, what do, and you, when do you have to determine that? Basically, you have until the midterm, I think, to okay. choose. Maybe yep. right before or right after. That's, I forgot. that's how it was in my school too. So, which was great because when you start when you're tanking, you just switch <laughs> right. it to pass fail. Right. I mean, you could drop the or, class also. Right? You could drop. Yeah. But one of the nice things I found about pass fail too was. I would sort of take three courses that were more, quote-unquote, serious courses. Then I took music courses, a symphony course, a photography course. That were of interest to you. That were of interest, but I took them pass-fail because, you know, I didn't need to. So so There was a limitation, though, at my school about how many you could take. It was kind of like you had a few of those 
in your pocket to use? Was it more like you could just do anyone? You could do every one like that. But look, if you wanted to go to law school and medical school and you don't have grades, (laughs) then you're going to have to be one of the kids who sits in the front row and raises their hand so that they could then have professors write that these you would have got an A or yeah, something, yeah. you know? You, yeah, you need so, to have grades or, or something to distinguish you <laughs> exactly. to, to move on to graduate school. If, if that is your goal. Yeah. And speaking of graduate school, keeping on the fancy theme, <laughs> you went from Brown to Cornell Law School, which, yes, is a very, which is a very good law school to this day and very fancy. I wouldn't necessarily say fancy, but yes, it, you know. <laughs> That's, was it the best law school you got into? That's why I went there. Well, I mean, frankly, there's not too many better ones in the country, so... I think it's in the top 15 right now. Certainly it's around that level. That's a great school. Yeah, well. But so you went to Cornell. Did you have fun in law school? Was law school, for me, law school to some degree, was an extension of college in the fun department? Yes. I I had fun in law school. You did? I did not. I was not a miserable law student. Yeah. And like you made your new friend group and you go into bars and it's it's like, yeah, it's still college. Right. What was, is the Cornell Law School then and now kind of separate from... The undergrad, or is it? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about Cornell that's both nice and arguably problematic is you have all the different schools. You have the agricultural school, you have the arts and science, the engineering, and the schools, to some extent, I thought, self-contained, or self-contained, or there's also a pecking order, particularly among the undergraduates, where, oh, you're at that school, you're not at this school. There's a snobbery factor a Wait, little. The undergraduates would view the graduate students that way. Depending. No, no, no. The undergraduates oh, within the undergraduates within the uh, within yeah. the oh, other. Oh, I understand. You're, what you're one saying. of the state undergraduate schools. You aren't at the yeah, that, arts and science part that, of the that's undergraduate that, school. Yeah, that's something I think people don't understand about Cornell. Cornell, while being a renowned private university, also has their a state university there too. So some people who go to Cornell are not truly going to the very difficult to get into Cornell, but they're going into the somewhat. Difficult, but less state school, right? Could be. I mean, I think, I think, and I'm not 100% sure, for example, the engineering might be state, and I don't know that that's any easier to get yeah, into. I see. I mean, the hotel school, which is surely state. It's the best in the country, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know what that, yeah, how yeah. that is but to get it, into. But, but but I think it's great bang for your buck. If you if you care about oh, prestige yes. and the name of your school, and you can go to the state school at half the price. For sure. Right. You Especially that, like ILR. You do ILR, that's half what's the price. What's ILR? International Labor and Relations. Uh-huh. And I mean, that's, that, that's, just, yeah. that's just, that's the savvy move. Like, right. the person who's looking for angles would play that angle. Exactly. Yeah. Which is but, apparently not you. <laughs> it's not me. But I mean, that was I one. like angles, but I don't play them too much. But the law school was fairly self-contained. It had its own building. Most, all your classes were in that building. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the case in a lot of universities. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, I liked law school. What'd you like better, Brown or Cornell? I mean, obviously, very my allegiance are still brown, particularly now. The more once I got out, I, why? Because well, your two of your kids now have gone there, and um, it's kind of a school that a lot of your family have been to. I don't know. It was just sort of once I got out. I mean, once I was there, it was more. It would have been closer, and there were surely things I liked about Cornell better. Yeah. Um, but I'm rooting for Brown football over Cornell. Okay, so Brown Cornell Law School, and then. You decide you're going to take a job at a law firm in the city. You went straight to New York from law school, right? Yep. Um, why was that? I mean, you could have went to Boston. Because my then girlfriend, now wife, she had originally been interested in going to D.C. I wasn't so interested at that point in D.C., but I did not get an offer from D.C., a firm in D.C., and she didn't get an offer from a firm in Boston, and we both had offers 
in New York. It makes perfect sense. So we ended up in New York, and it was yeah. no no more complicated than that. That's great. And so you moved to New York, and you're in, you've been in New York ever since. Correct. All right, which brings us to how you and I met. <laughs> My favorite part of every, part of every podcast. So you were at a very small firm. Okay, you started off at a relatively big firm, like well, I did. A mid-sized firm. Yeah. I was mid-sized. My yeah. firm. When I got there, I don't know, it was under 100. And when at its height, it was 120. Okay. So, yeah, that's and, a mid-size for me back then. Yeah. And then it maybe it even dropped because then you had the recession in the 90s. Yeah. So, it probably got a little smaller okay. again. So, but it might have been back a, to 80 when but, I left. But a well-respected mid-size firm. Correct. I was at a well-respected larger firm, not giant, but larger. You go. You to, were at the prestigious firm. <laughs> it wasn't, I wouldn't call it that. I mean, there were certainly more prestigious firms than mine. But, but in any event... You leave to go to this like upstart little firm of like what five lawyers? What were you number five in? I was number three. You were number three. I was number so you three. leave, you go to this little firm that you know other you know number three. I was going to say other really good lawyers, two other good lawyers, <laughs> and um, and then and what year was that? I joined that firm in 1997. Okay, in 2000 I joined that firm too, and this gets us to you and I. I like any job, I got interviewed for that firm. And when I came in for an interview, I met with the managing partner of the firm and an associate and another partner of the firm. And it was you. <laughs> you, I inter- you interviewed me. Well, there, so now the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Revenge. You interviewed me for that job. And I, I, remember, I remember going into your office and meeting for the first time. Do you remember that at all? I mean, it's not... No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not memorable at all. The Alzheimer's, you know, what can I say? So, okay, well, so you don't remember, do you remember it happening? Or? No. Okay. I don't. <laughs> well, you know, it's, obviously that makes sense. You're interviewing people. But for me, it's the only, it's the, right, it's, sure. I'm trying to get a job. So right. I'm going to remember and I'm going to care. So uh, you interviewed me and apparently liked me enough not to nix my opportunity there. This is, and you put that well, because that's probably all I had. Yeah, that's all the I power had, had. I might have had a little veto-ish, but, right. I had, but I had no... Uh, no real power. Right. Yeah, yeah, story of our lives. <laughs> so uh, so I came there, and um, you and I worked together for the next eight years that I was there. And um, we were talking about this before we started the podcast. I remember working on a couple of cases with you. Your recollection was more... You had a case, maybe you need a little extra help, I would jump on, but we never really were the two lawyers on the case. But there was one exception. I Right before I left, we were I know we were on the case together because there's a complaint. You could look it up <laughs> and our names are on it together. But um but yeah, I guess you know, we kinda we were siloed. We, well, we we did different things since we were both senior. We both were senior, so most of our cases we didn't have that many really big cases that it would have required both of us to be on it. That's true. I think that, yeah. That was the reason why we weren't working so much together. Exactly. But, but well, also by then, or right after you came, maybe maybe three, four years after you came, I started getting more involved in a single client's work. Yeah. And that right. client's work sort of took up most of my yeah, time. Yeah, that, 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 I remember that as well. So I was asking you, like, let's think of some stories from, because yeah. we, we both have this very positive recollection of our time there. It wasn't that long ago. No. And it was, a, it was great in so many levels, but... So I said, do we have any fun stories? And, you know, your answer was no, but we just had lots of good times. I mean, elaborate on that. Well, it was a very, I mean, I think one of the the managing partners set a very nice tone uh, that it was a very open place. He he didn't want, you know, no jerks was sort of 
That was like the main interviewing thing. That was yeah, one of his had, rules, but he, he did broke. But he no, <laughs> and he did break it for someone that you in particular disliked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't dislike anybody. <laughs> I'll talk about him. But you did dislike that guy. He was hard to like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could talk. Right. There was one lateral partner lateraled in. Correct. He had a fair amount of business, so I guess that was attractive. But he was just a genuine jerk. Well, I asked. I remember talking to Mark about it, our managing partner. And he said, well, if you and Brian were bringing in more business, I wouldn't need to hire him. (laughs) (laughs) He blamed it on us? He blamed it on us. If you two, you and me are the ones he named. (laughs) Is that right? I love love hearing these stories. (laughs) If you and me brought in more, he wouldn't need to hire that guy. Well, I mean, I guess that's true. (laughs) We could turn that around, too. All right. So, So, uh, you know. Yeah. So he brings in this guy who was really just not a nice person. They, 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 right. You, you, you yeah. encounter them from time to time in yeah. life. Yeah. And, you know, they can make your life miserable at times. Um, he didn't have the ability to make our lives too miserable, but no. I worked with him a little. You've before. worked with him really much more yeah. than And I. before I was a partner. Yeah. So I had to kind of kowtow. And, uh, you know, I did. Yeah, yeah. But our mutual friend, Mike, um, worked with him too. And Mike, <laughs> who's on my level, so he's a, an associate too. He had, you would think he would have to kowtow too. He decided, I'm not putting up with this and it got to the point if you, you'll remember this that he would pass him in the hallway and the guy the partner would say to mike hey um hey how's it going and mike wouldn't respond <laughs> just ignore him well i don't know if you a, remember this incident where mike at one point got off the phone with him because they were on different floors and mike slammed down and broke his phone he was so annoyed. is that right i didn't remember yeah, that yeah he broke I mean, the phone just, but we, but as i was saying but, we, we but, had lots of good times we there. did i mean the managing partner had a boat that's right. So, so he took us out on his boat. Yeah. And he, he, he used to have a party out at his place in the Hamptons. That's right. You know, which was a great, you know, that was a lot of fun. It was, that's so, right. I forget so, about the Hamptons parties. You know, right. So and now, of course, and of course, he, and he, he started liked it, a charity. And he, and he did things first class when yeah, he did them. He yeah. really did things first class. And he started a charity, as you know. Um, it was like a charity golf tournament. He kind of knew, knew Michael Strahan and other football players. They'd have a tournament. And part of the tournament, they'd have like an, the people who were donating to the charity would come to an evening event that was with, with a at headliner. A rest- yeah, with, at a restaurant. Yeah, at a restaurant right near the firm. But the headliner, the first year was Bon Jovi. And I remember I didn't get invited at first. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a partner at the firm at this point. And, uh, you know... None of a, us got invited yeah, there was a backlash. And then he invited all of us. Right. So we're going to a party where it's, where you know, it's a small, a relatively, you know, 100 people. Yeah. And... Bon, or maybe a little more, but yeah. let's put it this way. Bon Jovi said... I don't remember the last time I played a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I remember the exact line because I've told, quoted it. He's playing, he's playing, living on a prayer or something, and he just interrupts saying, first time we sang this in a Chinese restaurant. Right. It, was, it, was, it was an Asian fusion place. Right. It was very funny. And right. uh, so we had lots of like fun times, and, yeah. and more so than any particular event, as you pointed out when we were talking about this beforehand. We just had like lots of fun like just hanging out with each other because, yeah. because the managing partner did put together, did value good personalities. And people were good people. And so as a result, we had a nice group of people who, you know, as as a lawyers, anyone who's a lawyer knows, you know, you work for 40 minutes on whatever you're working on. And then you go down the hall for 15 minutes and shoot the breeze with whoever's there. At least if you're male. <laughs> yes. So wait, the, the women didn't do that as much? No. The women, the women. They went nose to the grindstone more? Much more so. You haven't noticed that over your career? I guess now that you say that, that's right. Yeah. Women, women in general, as opposed to men, I would say, have a much greater ability to sit for that hour straight. Well, it also might be that typically, you know, eventually they have kids 
and they just want to get their work done and get home and be the mom. I think whereas, that's part of it, too. Whereas if you're the guy, often, I'll stay a little later. <laughs> I don't need to change the diaper tonight. So, you, you know, you kill more time. Yeah, so, it could be. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we had a great time. But let's put it this way. I know with my wife, for example, we both did a legal aid clinic. You're really he, good, good at tissues. The idea was you'd get some experience. Okay. But she could sit there and keep working. Right, she, I. It was you're saying capacity wise. She could yeah, do that. yeah. She, right, which I had to get up and take the proverbial walk around the block. Yeah, and, she did it. And by the way, and then the, I'm saying there were no yeah. kids, so I think this it goes yeah. beyond children. And let's not forget also at the time, I bet it's very different now because the internet. When in 2000, the internet was coming online and it was it existed, but it wasn't like you know you go on the internet and that's how you would kill the time. Whereas I suspect now every lawyer and every law firm in New York City, you know, they don't have to go down to their hall, down the hallway. They'll just go on the internet and go on Facebook and for sure, yeah. for sure, right. Or so, but yeah, we had a ESPN different. like I did, That's <laughs> like right. I do. But, but it was different for us. It was like if, yeah. you have, if you wanted a break, you're going to just go walk around and look for, look for fun. There were no computers when I started, just to give you an idea. Well, when I when I started out of law school, my class of starting lawyers was the first to get computers in that firm. And what happened at that firm was they gave it to the first-year lawyers because, you know, we were tech-savvy right. at the time, right? Yep. They're not going to give it to the partners, even though you would think, oh, let the partners get the computers. No, they didn't want them. <laughs> they were just content on dictating their letters right. to their secretaries. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, there were no computers. Yeah, it was I, remember, I remember the game I wasted time on with that computer was Minesweeper. That was the game us lawyers learned on. And we were happy to have it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I remember my first computer, you didn't have internet access, even right. It just was, you know. It was a word processor. For the basically, most part. yeah. If, if that even, I mean, yeah. that's sort of a glorified, but yeah. right. Yeah, it's it's so different now. I mean, yeah. I mean, just how we spend our time. I mean, we can we can have a sidebar on this whole thing of like how you know technology has changed how we spend our free time. Um, that yeah, you, you could know, with the phones and and the iPads and all that stuff. And also, how technology changed law. Well, how to change law? It sped everything up. I what mean, do, now. What do you mean? You can send off an email and you expect an answer quickly. Oh. It wasn't like you're putting it in the post office and waiting, you know, and you get an answer in a week. That's true. That's true. Right. It's funny. Like I remember when I was at my first firm and I was an associate, we, there was a bar request from our firm. So you know, if you were going to get stuck late at night because the partners was going to partners were going to review the work you did, you know, I would sneak out. And go to the old stand next door, <laughs> and but there was an email like, like you just hope they didn't call you, and they, all they could do was leave a voicemail for you. So I'd have my phone, and you wait for the voicemail, and then I'd run back to right, across the right. street. But you're now it's you know with email, and even like messaging within firms. Right, right, yeah. It, within the firm, immediate responses are expected. Obviously, clients expect things, responses like within minutes. Right, exactly. So it's it was just I mean also, just to prepare a document. When I started, there was still uh, carbon paper. That's right. That secretaries would correct when you right. have corrections. They would have that correct the tape. Correct the tape, or I, yeah, yeah, your IBM Selectrix, yeah. and you had you know fax machines where it still had the rolled you know <laughs> yes. paper. So well, I mean, well, it just well, was a different. People should know that um, you are exactly ten years older than me. You're my oldest friend, actually, <laughs> and I don't mean like we've known each other the longest. <laughs> no, right. But, but but that takes me somewhere else. I mean, so you're exactly ten years old than me. I I I just always remember that because, you know, 
when we Stands hit. Oh, out. If I hit a new decade, you hit a new decade too. Just right. <laughs> a worse one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the thing, the thing is though about you, you even though you're a whole decade older than me, you're in great shape, and th- I, this was we talked about this. You're an athlete. Like you are so into sports and competing, not necessarily against others in team sports, but you compete against yourself. You're let's let's just say I, this right now. Like you, you're a skier. You're a windsurfer, you golf, you bike, and like you do it competitively in the sense that you are trying every well, time you're out there to be better. Well, is that I, is that fair? It's a little of an overstatement. Well, I, I, I like to see improve. I like to have self improvement. Yes. At a time when we're getting older and older and getting worse <laughs> and worse by just of the physical, you know, limitations that we have, you want to get better and better. I mean, I want to see self improvement. Correct, and I don't. <laughs> but it's not like, you know, anyone who plays golf understands it takes a whole lot of dedication and hours, which I generally don't put in. Um, well, yes and no. I mean, it, well, compared to some, you don't. Compared to others, you do. To, to make to make that next leap, I'm not doing anything. Of, okay. I'm, I'm not doing anything on that level. Well, let, 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 me, let me just tell you what I know. Like, you have a, a second home in Hunter Correct. Mountain. Correct, yeah. Which... I guess I can make a joke about how you're fancy with your second home, but then anyone who knows Northeast skiing and knows Hunter knows, you know, it's not the fanciest place in the world. So we could, but you've had that for a while, and you go up and you spend a lot of time in the winter yes. skiing, and you're going up and down that slope, and you're like, you're racing and trying to improve. And, and I wouldn't say racing, but I would say racing compared to well, I'm a skier too. I used to be at least, and I remember one time, um, not that long ago, in the last ten years. Probably. Um, one of my last times I've skied, frankly, I went up to Hunter with a buddy, and you were up there. Right. You had you had your weekend home. And um, I just remember, you know, the conditions weren't great, whatever, and I'm just, you know, waiting for it to end so I can go to the bar at the end of the day. <laughs> and you're just like, you're covered in, like, ice and snow and fancy skis and nice <laughs> outfit. And you're just, I mean, you're just, ra- I'm like, oh, hey, Joel, let's, let's do a run together. And like, no, no, we're not doing a run together. You're flying down the mountain, and you know I just if I you know I'm, I just want to have a, a piece a drink of brandy to keep warm. So uh, yes, you you were you're competitive with myself yes. in that sense. Yes, I like to see improvement. As yeah. I say, yeah. And you have a theory about the people who play sports, and you, your theory is that there's two types. So tell me, right. well, tell I, me what that's about. I don't know if it's a theory, but one thing you notice is there. It's a spectrum of how people are some people can play a sport or do a sport and they don't really care how they do they're just happy they're just happy being out there happy playing golf on the course on the on the slopes taking a bike ride then there's another group (laughs) to which i am closer that has to measure what's my average speed today on the bike and how does this compare to my personal best (laughs) And why why yes. was it slower today? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find it interesting that you do have these two types of people. And we talked about your view of me. I view you that you are someone who can just go out and have fun. And you don't, and it's a great way to be. I wish I could be like that because then you never care. You just have fun. Yeah. As opposed to thinking, well, that was the worst round of golf I had this year. This sucked. <laughs> yeah. Or not so, so much just sucked, but you. It takes away from it because you know you didn't perform as you wanted to or you could. Yeah. And you obviously can't quite put your finger on why. Yeah. And, um, you, and you have a theory why some people, like you had a theory about me or... Well, one thing, I don't know why you have the two groups, but one of my thoughts was 
if you're truly an excellent athlete in one sport or in your youth in many sports, maybe you don't care so much because you've reached that peak and, you, you know, you're not going to put in the effort again and you can just go out and have fun on other things because you're not going to, you know, you're not going to do it again on that level. Yeah. I don't know. I've never, I wasn't that good an athlete, so I never, I was the eighth man on a seven-man tennis team. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I never was that good to know. As for me. But like, I mean, look, take the pro football players who, you know, or yeah. hockey players who then take up golf. Yeah. Some seem to get, you know. The some real, of them get obsessed with it. Some, but right, but I assume there are a whole lot of others who can just go out and have fun. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. I recently had a client who was a former NFL player in, in like the 80s. So he's, you know, he's well into his 50s or maybe 60s now. And, you know, he just goes out and golf because people want to meet him and right. he doesn't care at all. But you're right. Like then you see Michael Jordan and he wants to take your head off on the golf course <laughs> from everything we read. Or Tony Romo. That's who's, right. who's trying to, you know. Well, he's very good. At, right. He's very yeah. good. But he's trying yeah. to, you know, qualify, you know, for a, to- yeah. for a tournament. Well, I think what your theory about me, like I think you give me too much credit. Like I was this great athlete at some sport. Well, and I'm in the you, second. You, you played varsity baseball, right? I did. For college. Yes, but That's it wasn't right Division One. It is now, but it's, it was, it's still. Come on, I, I guess. I guess. Don't tell yourself, sure. But you know, I think I was that way even then. <laughs> like I didn't really care back then. I just wanted to be on the team. They had a, like a nice, cool, like baseball jacket. I wanted the baseball jacket to walk around campus on. But I just think, uh, yeah, I, I never. I. It's funny. I you asked me to think about it after we talked about it, and I did think about it. I w- I'm not ultra competitive. Ex- I my competitiveness was a mirror of my adversary. Well, I'm the same. If I play someone in tennis, which as opposed to the other sports I do, tennis you have to play someone. Mm-hmm. You aren't just playing against yourself like in golf or cycling. A or, lot of sports you like, like even windsurfing, they're all solo. They're sports. all solo, right. Yeah. You don't compete by and large. I mean, obviously there are competitions in all of them, but yeah. right on a daily basis, it's more yourself. Tennis is the opposite. Yeah. You are playing someone. And if I thought I was playing someone better, I was happy if I just played well. The worst thing was to play someone who I thought felt was worse than me and who cared. Because then I had to win. Well, I mean, I, my focus is only on the, the part you said cared. Like, if I was playing someone who wanted to beat me, then I wanted to beat them. Right. Which is kind of silly in a way. <laughs> but, like, if they were really into it, like, that just that, that sparked me up. And whether it be football in that league I played in on the weekends in the city for many years, or whether it be baseball or, or you know, tennis, too. Like, and I remember my good friend Lon. Lon is, like, the nicest guy. I've already said that on 10 podcasts. But Lon's got a competitive streak in him, which I never knew. And I remember in Binghamton or even in Hofstra Law School, I don't remember. But at some point, we went to play racquetball. And he shows up all racquetballed out. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he, and, he's, and he's all serious. He wants to win. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> he wants to win. I want to kill him. He was just getting angry. And, like, if he missed a shot, he'd curse. And I'm like, first of all, I laugh because it's my good friend who I never saw the side of him, but then I wanted to beat him. Right. And for the record, I did beat him, Glad although he, he would wipe the floor with me now <laughs> in anything because, as you know, I've basically given up everything. Well, but well, one Unlike thing... Unlike you. Right, well, I kept him up. But one thing I will say, see, my sports that I do a lot myself tend to be, as you say, individual sport. Some of my most fun times in sports, however, were teams. When I played on a For buddy softball team, the camaraderie, team, yeah. the camaraderie, or golf, 
if you play a shotgun with a team, you know? I, that, that's a, for me, that's a blast. Oh, I yeah. have a ton of fun. I love the team aspect, I, So too. I love the team aspect. I played intramural hockey my senior year at Brown, and I can barely skate. So you had five guys who were good and me and one other guy. The other guy was better than me. But if you've ever played hockey, you know you get tired. Yeah. So those good guys would get tired, and me and the other guy who stunk you jump would, in. would jump in and try to give a spell, give him a little breather. And anything you do is like a bonus to them. because. Well, you know, basically, though, you know, we were just trying to go the right direction as the puck is supposed to always be going the wrong way because yeah, yeah. we couldn't stop and turn fast enough, let alone skate backwards. So, it's funny. But, I had a similar experience. I played field hockey intramural with a bunch of kids from Long Island on my team who were all, I guess, Long in, in my mind, Long Island kids were all into hockey. And I grew up in the Bronx. We didn't know from hockey. I thought so, they were lacrosse players, but anyway. Well, they were that too. That's true. So I remember being on a really good team. I played goalie because I had good reflexes, and I didn't have any skills playing hockey. <laughs> I never held a stick in my hand. So I just remember it was fun, and I remember I was pretty good at it. And um, I also because you're a good athlete. Well, I was, I mean, if you're a decent athlete, you could be good at anything. But I also remember one time we played this team. Uh, it's just coming back to me. It's been so long, but I, I have not thought about this in 30 years. One team in our league, the name of their team was the USSR. <laughs> and back then, for you young kids, you know, the USSR was the best hockey, you know, in the Olympics. That's what so they named themselves the best, and they were great. These guys were just the best floor hockey guys you can imagine. And I'm goaltending, and I, I, don't, I remember just trying to survive. And the most dominant memory I have is getting hit by a slap shot in the cup that I thank God was wearing <laughs> and is going to the ground and so you think you think you've wear a cup, you know, you're good. Anything can hit you there. Yeah. Slash I'm no. You get hit at, at yeah. uh, enough velocity. You're gonna I just, just that was it. I was I was crying for like an hour. It's just the worst the worst feeling ever. So um yeah, team sports are great. That's my sense. Yeah, yes. and I, 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 I mostly much. play team sports, but see, I know. mostly played individual sports. So when I had the, with the exception see, of soccer, you can't lose in individual sports. <laughs> That's true. Except you've, in your own mind, made yourself a loser because if you didn't beat whatever <laughs> score you had in your mind, now I've lost. I did play soccer as a kid, and unfortunately, I didn't keep it up. But that was when I did play. That was a team sport. Well, um, yeah. I mean, speaking of a sport that can segue us into another topic, you mentioned golf. Yes, and even though. My golf career consists of never having golf before joining a law firm and then only golfing once a year at the law firm uh, firm outing. You, you were a big golfer and you still are. And one day we decided to combine our hobbies. Do you remember that day? I do very well. So what did we do? Well, this was back when someone was still a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think the pilot thing has either come up much or, or at all. Oh. Well, I have a pilot's license. Right, I, I do now, and I got it while we were lawyers together at, at the firm. Yes, and um, I remember for a three month period or longer, I would leave early. <laughs> don't tell anybody. And um, secret safe, <laughs> and go and get trained at an airport, and I got a license. And um, I found the, one of the most fun things to do with my pilot's license was to fly places that would be kind of long to go to. I mean, remember, this is not a commercial jet airliner at 500 miles an hour. There's a plane that goes less than 200 miles an hour. But it was great if you're in Westchester, you could fly across Long Island Town to places like the Hamptons, or you can fly up north to Newport, Rhode Island in, in half an hour. So you and I, I guess we decided. We decided to play golf, and 
I met you at the airport, and it was first time, first and only time, get to go on the private part of the, you know, airport as opposed to with all the other plebes. And um, we flew out over Long Island Sound, and we had a beautiful day. Yeah, it was. A great I mean, I, it was like not a cloud, not a cloud in the sky, or you know, just a few, you know, very of those puff white things, and flew out to Montauk. That's right. So, so I asked you, do you have a distinct recollection of being in the plane and that stuff? Said, I have a yes. recollection of being in the plane. I have a recollection of flying. Because once you're up, you said, all right, you can fly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you flew. Yeah. And, and you were, you were, you know, it's funny. I have, I have different reactions. I remember it for people I would always offer that opportunity. You you were game. You, you oh, wanted for, to fly. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was fun. I think you flew a good a good portion of that flight. That could be. I don't, that I can't, I don't really remember. Yeah. But I thought, this is easy. What's so hard? Well, it's, it's so true. Like, you know, a plane that's set to fly straight. It's just going to fly straight almost on its own. So, right. you know, if you, you might think like, oh, I'm reckless letting a passenger fly. But the reality is there's not much to it. There's you, not much to it. Right, yeah, exactly. The steering wheel and, you know, left, right. go a little right. I mean, I think, but, you know, you also had me go up a little. You had me go down a little just to get a little sense of Yeah, because you, you lose a sense of motion unless you do that. Right. So you had me do that stuff. Yeah, I thought it was a blast. Yeah, yeah. I had a blast. I, I, I enjoyed having you up there. And then we got to Montauk. And we land at this little strip, and sure enough, there's like this little lady, and she <laughs> says, you know, you can put the plane over there. And I, I think, I don't know if Uber and Lyft were around yet. So I think no, they we, weren't. Definitely right. not. So we called the taxi. We got a taxi, and we went to the golf course. That's right. Montauk has Montauk a, Downs, public, a public, a public course. course. And, you know, it was just a midweek kind of thing, right? Right, or something. And I remember we were paired up with an elderly couple. You remember I, them? I forgot about that, but yeah. now that you say it, it's well, sort of it's coming back. Well, foursomes. And so that's where it got a little bad for me because anytime I, I would golf at most once a year and sometimes a couple of years would go by, probably had when we did that. So anytime I'm, you know, I can golf with you and be a bozo. Right. But, you know, there's people who, who know how to golf. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. And um, I remember taking the tee shot off, my, off the first hole. And the ball went straight. <laughs> I was just so <laughs> was happy. Success. And, and I already told the people, this is going to be ugly. And they were very, a nice couple. And uh, I just thought it was fun just golfing with strangers, too. Yeah. Well, did you, I don't know if I did with you what I sometimes do with what I do with my children. They were young and I've done with others. People who are not golfers. Right. We play what's known as best ball, such that we both hit. But if my ball is better... You just pick up your ball, you come to me, and then you hit from wherever yeah. I ended up. What if, so your, that way what if your ball up. is in a forest and you can't find your ball? What do that, you do in best ball like that? Well, then you'd have the best ball and we'd go to your ball. No, no. Let's say I hit a ball oh, and in the it's forest? gone. Most then you, the, you would oh, just drop another ball okay. at my ball. Yes, right. That was not an, uh, an unusual experience you, for me. We, we walk away from your ball, you come to my ball. <laughs> yeah. But if I, who supposedly am the good golfer... Hit mine into the yes. woods, and yours is on the fairway. We go to your ball. Yes. That's but you the, would be kicking yourself because you're so competitive <laughs> to yourself. I, it happens yeah. all the time. So no, I would just roll with it. Hopefully, did, I'd roll with did, it. Did we have lunch in Montauk or anything? What did we do for lunch? I don't remember. Yeah, that I don't, I don't remember. But uh, that yeah. was a fun day. Yeah, that was a great day. I yeah. mean, as I as I said it before this, I don't understand why you're not still flying. Well, um, well, what happened is I <laughs> ran out of money. Um, <laughs> That's a plea for the listeners. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I kind of set up a, like a kind of a donation site thing on the site. But um, Brian's flying well, fund. <laughs> well, I, I I had a plane, a, a small interest in a plane that allowed me to take out the plane for a while. And when that deal kind of ended, I would have to rent planes. And then what happened is, I think I told you, 
they weren't letting us take the planes for like long periods of time. A lot of the planes at the airport were used for flight training. So they, didn't, they were, they changed your attitude towards people who wanted to rent them to go places uh, or overnight with them. I don't think and, I knew that. Yeah, and it became difficult to, to do it. So Could you still do a day thing with them? Or I, I, I could, but I could. But, it's um, still harder. A lot of my fun was like taking a plane to like the Hamptons with the guys and overnight and coming back. So when Just I ne- for the record, yes. I never was invited to those. I, um, I, it only happened a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I just, it wasn't like I, g- I gave up on it. It just... It just the circumstances changes changed and yeah and you said I should get back into it and if uh, financially because it's not an inexpensive hobby um, I can again I, w- I I would do it again I think I, I want to hit a, a few uh, topics including your family okay so um, this summer Memorial Day weekend your daughter your oldest daughter got married that she did so tell us about that because I was there you were. Um, well I'll say this Allison arranged the whole thing and she. Had held had the wedding in Newport, Rhode Island, and she. And Newport is is known to be a very shishi place in the summer. That could be. She did it over Memorial Day weekend, so that she got a break on the is rate. There a discount like if it's there was your a big abyss, probably a third less. Like, really? Yeah, third less. I loved it because it enabled me to go more right, easily. Right, right. Yeah. Well, some people obviously look. Yes. Don't want to ruin yes. their holiday weekend. Yeah. Because yes. to go to some of... Well, send the gift. You'll be That's fine. right. Don't go. <laughs> <laughs> but she chose it not because it was Newport or Shishi, but rather because my parents are still alive, thankfully, but they're not very mobile. Yeah. So they're in an assisted living facility in Massachusetts, and by having it in Newport as opposed to Chicago where she lives... And, and where her boyfriend... And where she's husband. living, right, where they live... She chose to have it there so that my parents would be able to attend. That was really thoughtful. That, that's so. Her. So they ch- so she chose a place that was just spectacular. <laughs> What's the name of the Ocean Cast- Castle Hill? Castle Hill. Castle so Hill. Let me let the listeners in on what Castle Hill's <laughs> like in Newport. So Newport itself is a beautiful town. Newport is a great, great place. I'm going to take an aside on this. So. I know Newport because whenever me and we Elise would take the kids when they were little up to Martha's Vineyard for our five days in Martha's Vineyard, which is a fancy town, but if you only for five days, it's not very fancy. And you stayed at the fancy hotels. Oh, I did. Which oh, so fancy. You know the owner, so you're <laughs> fancy. I only know the owner. I went to yeah. high school with the owner. I can't afford to stay at this hotel. I went to high school with murderers. Okay, <laughs> so give me a break. So we would stop at Newport to break up the trip. By the way, the owner's a really very nice guy. Yes, he is. He Mark is. Snyder's. Yes, yeah, so if 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 he can give us a free night visit, that shout out, that'd be even better. But we would stop at Newport. And it was just a revelation to me, Newport. Newport is such a cool town. It's it's a it's a really kind of a summer town on the water. They have a beautiful bay and harbor there. And to me, the thing that sets it out, sets apart, apart from anywhere else I've been, is there is the highest number, I believe, of colonial revolutionary t- homes anywhere in the country. Have you ever walked through the streets? Yeah, I never really thought about it, but it's surely you're right. There are a lot. Of if them. you walk through the little streets of Newport, every home, because they're all historic now, has a little plaque that says, you know, 1721, 1742, 1699, like one after the other. Like you are walking in history and in the past. Right. We went to one restaurant that was in one of those, you know, one of those the White homes. House Tavern. Uh, the, oh, is it old something white tavern? That, that's where Allison had the, the brunch. brunch. Yeah, 
but we also went to like a fancier place for dinner, I think Friday night. And it was in, as you say, a colonial home. From 1692. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. An amazing, if you're into history, you go to Newport just for that. But it's also beautiful. But where your daughter picked was a hotel that's on like a little point, a little out of town, but on a peninsula that has like the most spectacular water view. And, you know, she's got the hookah set up and like, you know, it's just like bridges and water and greenery. It was like. You know, from a guy from the Bronx to be invited <laughs> to something like this, I felt honored. Well, uh, I was an honor to have you with us. And we even gave a little extra in the gift. Because <laughs> we just felt like it's, you know, I, these gifts might be out of, we can't just give the regular gift. We have to give a little extra. Well, that was very nice of you. But right, it was a lovely affair. And Al- Allison, to her credit, she really planned it all. And what it really was, I was concerned, and anyone who's had a party of sorts would understand the person who organizes it deals with all all the myriads of details. Yeah, there's you know the florist, the this, the that, and I was just concerned something would go wrong. And it would ruin it, her, her or not ruin her day, but it would put a damper on it. You know, something would be. Yeah, and I gotta say, nothing went wrong. No, Castle no. Hill really did a great it was job. Flawless. Everyone, right? I mean, everything it had one went, those, went it had one well. It was fake. It wasn't a fake. What I mean, it wasn't a temporary tent. The main. The main affair was in like this tented, right, out they, open space, but it was a permanent tent. It was spectacular. Yeah, no, they do a really nice job. And it was yeah. great. Elise and I got to go, and we, we hadn't been alone in a long time, so it was really <laughs> nice, and we had a great time. Good, good. Well, yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Yes. Right. Well, so um, so you got her married off. You got your son, who's graduated from Brown. And, He's taking steps to head towards medical school. He's applying to medical school. He has applied to medical school, and he's now waiting to hear uh, if he'll get interviews, by and large. And I don't know if you're familiar with the medical school process, but it's it is the worst. Yeah, if you go to NYU, it's free though. He's not going to NYU. He did not apply to NYU. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what makes the process in my mind so bad right now is besides the essay problems that they ask the, the essays they ask you to write, which are just ridiculous. Why should doctors have to write essays? <laughs> well, the silliest thing. you know, right? How I how how I save the world, or how I'm going to save the world. But you wait for these interviews to see if you get them or not get them. And one of the things that's frustrating is they never tell you you're not getting them. Yeah. So, so you it's s- like when uh, you're being investigated for a criminal offense by the uh, Justice Department, and they'll never tell you, you know, you're, <laughs> you're on the clear you're, or, you're, you're, or you're not. It's kind of like that. It's but, it, but, isn't, but doesn't it become evident at some, at some it point? It will become evident at some point, but it might take two months to become evident. Uh, so you see so, pins and needles until then. Exactly. So oh, he's in that period right now? He's in that period right now. I see. So he's waiting to hear whether he'll get interviews. Well, he seemed like a good kid to me at the wedding. I barely said a word I, to him. I think he'd be great, great but, doctor. But your three, your three kids all seem to be like enjoying each other at the wedding and dancing on the dance floor. And oh no, I, that, I, I, th- I noticed that and I thought that was really nice. That. No, it is real nice. I mean, just like I remember your two are very close. Yeah. So are my three. Actually, they did something for the first time, which I thought was cool. They went on a little vacation, just the three of them. Are you kidding? No. After the, Allison got married. After Allison got she married. Oh, good. This summer. Liz is in Israel, looking to return to the United States right now and get a job here. But she flew to Iceland, and they flew and met her. And they Reykjavik, spent, I assume. And- I think they flew to Reykjavik, and then they rented a camper and went, you know, around. The three like, of them. The three of them, right? So, wait, the, wait. as a parent, can you? 
you know, you can just kind of just kick back and say, I, I've done my job right. <laughs> right? In a sense. Did Debbie, your wife, yeah, yeah, love no, that too? Exactly. Sure. How can't you love That's that? That's wonderful. That, right. That, here's, right. So, wow. well, later I can show you their pictures, right? Yeah. But yeah. But right, I, I've, the been three to, I've been dying to get to Iceland. So I'll, Brad, I'll, I'd love to go myself. It really looks like a beautiful I, place. So, by, by the way, we're at 55 plus minutes. All right. Well, that's... And you, you thought you, we were... You were the you, host. You thought we were going to have nothing to talk about. I did say that. And what do you think now? Well, I don't know that anyone will think we spent any time talking about anything yet. Nobody thinks anybody anything that say is interesting, but people like, to, people like to listen. Well, hopefully they... Just a window, a window into a couple, another person's life. There you go. So, is there anything in our? Let's say we have a few more minutes. Is there anything that we have to talk about that we haven't? N- nothing we have to talk about particularly on a podcast. <laughs> well, wait, based on that way I phrased it, we could we'd have to do the podcast. <laughs> That's true too. <laughs> There's nothing um, we had to talk about. Right, right. Uh, not really. I mean, there's. You know, I hate to be a downer. But you obviously suffered a big loss recently. Yeah, the, the Giants are like one and two. I agree with exactly. you. Exactly. Wait, is that what you're referring to? That wasn't quite it, but yes, we what? could we could segue to that. And, oh, and wait a minute, if we want to talk about losses, we could also talk about the fact that you see a lot of your listeners might suspect this, but I can confirm it. That right, I do root for all those evil teams. You, you're from you're from New England. I'm from New England, so but I wait, root for them all. I'm with you, by the way, because as a Mets fan, <laughs> we like when your teams beat the Yankees. <laughs> um, as a New England Patriot fan, I like when they beat the Chiefs because of my friend Jay, who's a. <laughs> I mean, I want to say make, I, right, you I told me he's say, a mega fan, so he was mentally challenged about the Chiefs. Um, so no, we're, we're aligned, <laughs> and you've obviously had an embarrassment of riches. We have had it. We've had some good success recently, yeah. and though my wife, as you know, and others might, is a big diehard Yankee fan, so this will hopefully be a good year uh, for her. No, well, but, hopefully, uh, no, no, not hopefully. Well, you see, once the Red Sox are out, and you're married to a Yankee fan, it's nice. If oh, uh, obviously, your self-interest says let the Yankees win. But the Yankees are evil. Like, well, you know, like you don't ever root for Hitler. You don't ever root for <laughs> Genghis Khan. You don't root for them. And even if it's in your self-interest, you don't root for them. So you know, there's a. I understand where you're coming from, but it's gonna say. Um, but as one of my friends said, my children are from a mixed marriage. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I'm from a marriage where my wife doesn't know anything about sports, and she's just happy to be that way. So Joel, I think I think we're done. All right. I mean, we can. I love it. Even you, you said we're not going to have anything to talk about. Why would you even want to podcast me? And we're going on an hour, and I could do three more hours. <laughs> I might have to make a PP first, but I mean, I could, I could do this. <laughs> we should end on that. There you go, Joel. Done. Thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.